It's happy hour again from Uptown New Orleans. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. Happy hour is part of the family of shows on the podcast network. It's neworleans.com. When you walk into a bar in New Orleans and you pull up a bar stool, you never know who's going to be sitting on either side of you. What you do know is no matter what they look like, what they're wearing, whether they just got out of a limousine or just got out of jail, they're going to be happy to talk to you because that's New Orleans and this is happy hour, a cocktail-fueled 60 minutes of random conversation with folks who have nothing in common. Other than we're all New Orleanians in a bar today, we're at the fabulous Wayfair on Ferret Street. Wayfair is a couple of blocks down from Napoleon Avenue of heading toward Jefferson. And they have a four-hour happy hour here every single day from 3 o'clock to 7 o'clock where bar food and all the booze is half price. And they have an awesome brunch on the weekend. So come on down and enjoy happy hour here at Wayfair some other time. Or just stick around for the next hour with me and my guests. And happy hour was brought to us today by Basic Swim and Gym. We can get a full range of fashion swimsuits, workout, and yoga clothes with style. And they are on Magazine Street near Jefferson Avenue, right next to Basics underneath the lingerie store. And Hangover Destroyer, the only all-natural product medically proven to prevent a hangover. Pretty good product for you to know about there, Laurie Carsage. <laughs> and by everyone else around this table, by the way. Hangover Destroyer, if you go to hdestroyer.com, their website and you write happy hour on the coupon code you get 30% off of your first order of hangover destroyer so you too can seize the dawn and thank you to the positive vibrations foundation who create and encourage community through the development and preservation of the arts music culture and heritage who wouldn't like that if you go to patreon.com and search for it's new orleans.com happy hour it's new orleans happy hour you can uh, be a part of our patreon family and for as little as a dollar a month get all kinds of free stuff and uh, Andrew Duhon is not here today. He's uh, probably in a town near you somewhere, if you, unless you're in New Orleans, where he's not. If you look online at andrewduhon.com, you can find him. If you can find his new record, False River, everywhere that music is uh, bought and stolen. So check that out. Thanks for joining us today. My fabulous guests sitting around the table here are Laurie Karsich, who's bought her own bottle of whiskey. And when I say her own bottle of whiskey, it's not just a bottle that she brought, but a bottle that she made. Thank you very much. You're pouring us shots. It's very nice. Laurie, this is called Country Smooth Whiskey. It is. And you, you have Thank to talk you. into this black thing. Okay. I know that's... I've done that once or twice. <laughs> and uh, you make this. You own this company called Country Smooth Whiskey. I do. <clears throat> How did you start making whiskey? I'm the founder and CEO of Country Smooth Whiskey, and we have been... We were, out, we were founded in 2015 in Southern California, I was born and raised on country music, college football, all things Americana. Just like Jose Fernandez is here as well. You were (laughs) brought up with the same thing. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. In Uh, Portugal. Actually, I was born in uh, Angola, Africa. You're African. Yeah, So you're an actual African-American. Often often I'm the only African around wherever I am. No kidding. Uh, But, you know, culturally I'm not African and I only lived there for two years. Uh, my dad was a military. He was part of the colonial apparatus. From what country? Uh, from uh, uh, Portugal. Oh, yeah. Portugal was the um, it was the colonial country, and I was born in uh, one of the colonies, which was Angola. And but I only lived there for two years. So you're from Angola. Yes. I'm, uh, you know, uh, geographically right. from Angola. Not the same Angola that we talk about when we. No, talk no. As a matter of fact, I did have a friend. He's a conceptual artist from Angola, Africa. And he came here, he was part of the CAC show, show that we also were part of. And um, we did take him to Angola, Louisiana. <laughs> he wanted to... Uh, Very different. Yeah, yeah, he wanted to see... Uh, part of the rodeo? Yeah. Made him part of the rodeo out there? Or? No, it was after the rodeo, it was nothing. The okay. only thing that was just happening went, was the... You just went to the jail for the hell of it? There's a, yeah, we just went, there's a, there's a museum. Is there? And, yeah, there's a museum, and they do sell. Did you guys know that? Yeah. No. This is, Blake, this is Blake Quick. Yeah, they actually from the band me, uh, The Quickening, by the way. They actually, I went to high school down here. They took us on a uh, field trip out there one time oh. for high school. Yeah, it's pretty creepy. How far is it from downtown New Orleans? It's about an hour. It's right yeah. by Baton Rouge. Oh, okay. We could uh, we could all get in the car now and be there and in, in an hour. <laughs> so and what's in the museum at Angle? Well, I mean, they have like uh, books. They have, uh, I guess, photographs. A lot of T-shirts and mugs. And also they have the molasses that they make over there that they're very eager to sell. Um, and they make that, of course, with the, um, the labor of the prisoners, you know. Sure. So, uh, but it's, it's, uh, besides that, it's a nice, uh, really nice, interesting, no, I wouldn't say nice, but it's an interesting museum because they have photographs, very old photographs from the uh, uh, 20, early 20th century. The, right. You know, they also have an example of a cell. They have... Uh, and one thing that was very, uh, very strange was like they have a whole collection under glass of different uh, handmade uh, 
uh, jail-made um, uh, weapons. That, oh, shanks and yeah, and all kind of <laughs> all kind of crazy stuff. Stuff you know? that they've confiscated from yeah, prisons. confiscated yeah. after fights and stuff like that. Blake, so. do you remember any of this from high school? What high school did you go to? I went to Brother Martin uh, and okay. Gentilly. They try and scare you straight. Oh by yeah, taking for you sure. Out. They they let you talk to prisoners and stuff. They would bring in, and of course, the first thing he has to say is. You know, I don't like to talk about what I'm in jail for, but if you ask me, I have to tell you why I'm here. And so, of course, one of the kids, oh, what were you here for? I killed my mother. And everyone was like, oh, okay. well, no one I'm, wanted to like, ask him any more questions. It would be that. great if you could yeah. get away with that. How did he think he was going to get away with yeah, it? Exactly. Did, he, did he describe the circumstances? Uh, he, I believe the guy was on drugs. He was 16 years old or something. He oh, was in dear. a fight, an argument with his mom and decided to... Take it out or on her in the worst way possible. I don't know why I'm talking about. Was the one person you asked? (laughs) It was two prisoners. That was the first prisoner you asked. That was yeah, the one person. I guess they brought him in there for a reason. Well, these are the guys guys they bring in to show the high school kids. Jeez, don't kill your mother. Guy killed his mom. (laughs) I guess one of the lessons they learn is not to ask the. Yeah, (laughs) don't ask a prisoner why he's there. (laughs) Wow. So both of you guys have got pretty vivid memories of your trip to Angola. How long ago did Uh, you go? Well, mine was pretty uh, recent. I mean, I've I've been around New Orleans for 40 years. Wow. (laughs) I came here to college. and, but I was in Hammond, Louisiana, so I, I had a tennis scholarship. So, uh, so I just I, I arrived here in a parachute. It was like I would have never picked that town. Southeastern. Southeastern. I would have never picked that place to uh, go to school. I mean, out of randomly. Um, and hey, just wait up. You got a tennis scholarship from what country? From Portugal. From Portugal. Yeah. That's so cool. How the hell did that happen? How did well, you? I was I was national champion in my country in the juniors. You're a national tennis champion. Yeah, in juniors. Thank How about you. That? There you go. So Come that on. gave me that gave me the opportunity to go play and um, Hammond tournaments. No, no, it was the first one, the tournament that I played in the United States. Uh, I played several international tournaments, but one of them, the important one, was the Orange Bowl in Miami, right. and um, the Orange Bowl in Miami, and um, so. Uh, that's like almost two months of uh, like a circuit of my five tournaments. In one of those tournaments that I actually went to the quarterfinals, um, I was just invited to, I uh, was invited to come to Southeastern. I had a, a couple other Louisiana coaches that were interested in me, I guess uh, Northwest, something like that. I forget the name of the university. Right. But um, I look at them, even as a 17 year old in Portugal, I looked at the map and I saw that. Um, New Orleans, uh, Hammond was a lot closer to New Orleans than the other places yeah. like... Uh, LSU. I, well, LSU was not one of the ones that invited me. It was more like really far away, Rustin, like Shreveport yeah, and Rustin, stuff like that, yeah. you know? Which I have nothing against those communities, but... Uh, you want to be in New Orleans. Not where you want to be. Yeah, I wanted, I wanted to be close to New Orleans, yeah. And when I arrived in Hammond, and I can imagine, this was 1979, I can imagine how like Shreveport would have been, but I, even Hammond was like... Uh, like a scene of uh, the last picture show, the, the Peter Bogdanovich movie, which was like seven, 1973, Texas, windy, and just one town, one main street. I mean, that's how it was. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I did well, though, uh, picking a city that was so, because the moment I had a chance, I moved here. <laughs> what did you think Smart. as a kid, though? Did you know anybody else? Were you just totally by yourself? No, but New Orleans is uh, world famous, even back in 1970s in in Europe, of course, in a small country like Portugal, um, even though we, we we did have a dictatorship, fascist dictatorship, so we're not like France. We were like a country that was kind of isolated with a, a dictatorship, so we didn't even have coke until 1973. Uh, but so even you then... Up, you grew up in a fascist dictatorship in Yes, until Portugal. I was 15 years old. So yeah. are you seeing any parallels now? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, well, by the time I arrived in the world, <clears throat> the dictatorship was way far along okay. its, its journey. So, because we started, the, the, uh, it was 1926 when, when, they dictated, when they instituted the dictatorship. It was 1975 or 74, actually, when, they, when it was dissolved through a coup. So it was many years. So but by the time four- I arrived, it was already well established. Yeah. So when you were born in the 50s? I was born in 1959, 59. yeah. 59. So you, you grew up. In your formative years, yeah. Under what? Who was and what was the name of? Uh, well, first Salazar, Antonio Salazar, and then Caetano, which was like uh, his uh, disciple, and uh, and then the military uh, had a coup because they didn't want to fight in Africa anymore. We had like 15 colonies where, uh, and I escaped uh, 
military service, four-year mandatory, where they're going to send you to Africa to fight. Whoa. If you were a kid in Portugal, you were going to go fight in Africa. I mean, wow. nobody wanted to do that, you know, but the, the, there was this idea of the empire, which was like a ridiculous empire anyway. So, so um, tennis helped you get out. Uh, yes, tennis helped me. Well, by the time I came here, we already had like uh, instituted democracy, mm -hmm. but it was very chaotic. Mm -hmm. in, in you know the first years of democracy, it was like really crazy, and the country mm -hmm. was crazy. And I really Major wanted change. And I did want to leave. I did want to leave. So coming here was like great. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It's one of the best cities in the entire country to. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Because at that time, I really didn't uh, know as much of the culture of New Orleans. It's more like coming from Hammond here on the weekends with uh, other tennis mm -hmm. players and partying, you know. How long did you play tennis for? Did you give that up pretty quick? Uh, right after college, I pretty much stopped. Stop that. I picked it up later. Right. Because you know, right. I had been playing since I was like 11, competitive since I was like 13, and it was pretty intense throughout my, my, my junior years. And even in college, you have to play so much and travel that by the time I finished college, I was like, you know, heading Right. On. So Blake, how did you get from being a high school student and Brother Martin to being a full-time musician in New Orleans? Uh, I basically started playing music for fun during, during high school uh, with a group of buddies of mine, uh, you know, hanging out after school in, in my friend's parents' backyard and stuff and uh, smoking doobies, getting inspiration. And <laughs> uh, we actually started a band right after that down here uh, as soon as I got out of high school, basically. And I was in college not too far away from here, which is in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Yeah. It's about an hour and a half away, not bad. Yeah. And uh, so I was coming back every weekend anyway, because there's not a whole lot to do out there in Hattiesburg. Right. Uh, what, what was the name of your band when I was in high school? That band, I was, I was in Flow Tribe. I started a while Tribe. ago, yeah. Well, Flow Tribe is a big deal. That's right, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you stuck at, you were in Flow Tribe for quite a long time. You started Flow Tribe. Right, yeah. You were one of the founding members. One of the founding members. I played for, still with them? For about, no, I started another band about uh, five years ago after eight years of playing with Flow Tribe. Started The Quickening. So uh, what's yep. the official story about name? why you're not in Flow Tribe anymore then? It, I, I actually got kicked out. They You're actually, <laughs> they, like didn't like, Mac. they didn't like the direction that I was trying to take the music. I was trying to do a little more mind-expanding music, a little more uh, improvisational jamming, and you know, kind of more feeling. And they were more about uh, suiting up, putting on a performance, trying to play this role of, you know, uh, rock stars and stuff. And I don't think I really quite fit in with them <laughs> at that right. point. So I, I think they saw it as an opportunity to say, yeah. look, you're, you're obviously going a different way. Uh, creative differences. Yeah, creative differences yeah, for differences. sure. Uh, Were you surprised by the conversation it, at the time? Yeah, it was a little more dirtier than saying, oh, we have creative differences. They kind of just pulled the rug out from under me. But, you know, I see it as a, a positive motion now awesome. for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. How long have you been in your new band? Uh, the new band's been around for five years. Okay. Yeah, we have two CDs out. Uh, we just came out with one in this past summer. Uh, and when I started the band five years ago, it's exactly how I wanted it to sound, when, or uh, exactly how I imagined it sounding when I started it five years ago. So I really feel like we kind of nailed it with this last album. Of And what's this album called? It's called Begin Again. Begin Again. So the right. first one yeah. was called the Skip, what was the Skip album Yeah, called? My Name Ain't Skip. My Name Ain't Skip, yeah. <laughs> I like that album. So this, when did this new one come out? I haven't even seen that. Uh, in June, actually. Just this year? Yeah, we had a party at the Maple Leaf. I didn't even and, uh, know about We that. had a big release party. And what's yeah. this one called? Begin Again. Begin Again. Yeah, you can find it on Spotify, and it's okay. all over the interwebs, okay. whatnot. We, we nice. can steal that, no problem. And the band's called The Quickening, after, named after you. So this is your Last whole yep. baby. That's right. So no one's going to kick you out of this one. Let's <laughs> hope not. So, so Dave Easley is in your band, who's a pedal steel player. Yeah, Dave. Which a, is a pretty unusual move. He's a magical person, for yes. sure. Yes, he's a genius player. Yeah. He's and strange. Have you guys seen Dave Easley play no. pedal steel? I've been blown away by him since I was in college. I've been going to see him and just, you know, feeling that he's playing exactly what's... She imagines. Yeah, what's... Uh, his, in his surrounding area, his whole entire atmosphere. He's like staring at something and he'll play something and he'll look at something else and then he'll, he'll be in a different mode and stuff, you know? Yeah, he's a, and uh, and like, a friend of ours who used to play in another band with him, uh, was at, he said, I could get Dave on a gig. Anytime you just let me know, I'll give him a call. So sure enough, we were playing in Jackson, Mississippi, uh, the whole college yes. people, you know? 
Uh, we went out there and Dave had never heard us, never practiced with us before, and came on the gig, sat on stage with us and just watched what I would play. And whenever I'd give him like the heads up, kind of let loose, he would just open up the whole song. And I was like, I can't believe this guy's sound is with our music now. Yeah. And he, wow. said, he said he had a lot of fun that night to call him back whenever. So I've been calling him back for every gig. <laughs> So Whenever he's not on the road with Peter Rowan or making magic with other people, he's how cool. He's playing it's with really us. It's changed yeah. the whole sound of the band. Definitely, he's our hey, secret so weapon. That's you, what I call. You want to you want to play something while we're yes yeah, talking about the quickening music? Sure. So how would you describe? I I would describe the music as kind of like jam band kind of. It's a psychedelic jam band, right. yeah, uh, with a little bit of New Orleans funk influence for sure. I I call it feel good music. Feel good <laughs> music. Yeah. All right. Well, we could all do with some right. feeling good. All right. Cool. Talking about feeling good after the song, we're talking about whiskey. Mm-hmm. So the two go together. That's for sure. I know. We have to try to get a shot of this <laughs> country smooth whiskey. Very good. Okay, Blake, what are you going to play? Thank you. Uh, this is going to be a song from our first album called Wind Song. Okay. And Here's cheers. to it. Yes, you want cheers. to try some whiskey? Cheers. Here's to it, everybody. Hey, Jose, I see you've drunk most of yours already. <laughs> that? Do I, I see you've drunk most yeah. of it already. Uh, yeah. Some, you guys uh, want a shot? I have a, yes. a good ratio. Uh, drink twice. Just ignore the name on the shot glasses. Oh, okay. Can I well, get a little less volume in, in my earphones? Yeah, everything kind of seems to be pretty loud, actually. Can you hear that? Yeah. Might just be on out. I think it's just too loud on the headphone. Thanks, really. Who knew a drunken hazen night would lead me to find Angel who would guide her wings right on time She moved from Alabama, now she lives on the shore Handing out kindness, so I asked her for more The glitter of the sky displayed in her eyes The sun, the moon, the stars, the earth, they all collide Singing, laughing, dancing, clapping, carrying on Anchor snap, my boat collapsed, I'm sailing on To find our time Neon blue and violet Out of space Cosmic debris Spread across the place She took me straight up To her living room She asked me if I liked it Where she hung the moon My soul caught fire From her kindling touch And as for the moon It started burning up Darling, cling to me just like a leaf on a tree. I take you back down to Frenchman Street. Take you back down to Frenchman Street. Take you back down to Frenchman Street. Yeah. Nice. You got Frenchman Street in there. Back home. Yeah. So where do y'all play? Uh, we play at the Maple Leaf a good bit. We're lucky enough to have a home there for sure. Uh, I also play at Tipitina's every once in a while. Uh, Gasa Gasa, which is right down the street here. Hi Ho Lounge. Uh, we played the Dragons Den. Howlin' Wolf. <laughs> is your band fluid? Like, in other words, uh, the, the band members always the same? Or primarily, there's there's a few people sometimes that either have another gig or aren't in town or something yeah, like that. Yeah. We've done it with three people, and we can do it with up to six or seven. So. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. One thing amazing me in New Orleans is, uh, as, I guess with social media, it's a lot easier to do this, is to get, coordinate the gigs yes. and the bands. Like, I've seen people that, I've seen people that, um, I've seen in so many different bands, especially like jazz, that I, uh, I've seen them on Frenchman Street, and... Uh, and I've seen them play with like three or four bands, you know. So I'm assuming yeah, that yeah. all of these bands are kind of fluid because, you know, it's the availability, it's yeah. the availability of people <laughs> at the moment, you know. Exactly. Uh, yeah, our drummer's in probably about 
two or three other bands at least. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, he's got a, a good emphasis with the quickening. So yeah, yeah, excellent. He tries to make it a priority. So, so talking to bands, Laurie, you're actually, besides making whiskey, you're actually putting on a music festival. I am here in New Orleans this weekend. I am, and oh. we're talking Guilty. about. Guilty. <laughs> and we're talking about, if you're listening to this uh, sometime later, what is the actual date of this thing? October 20th and 21st, this oh. coming Saturday and Sunday at NOLA Motorsports Park. 2018, in case you're In uh, three days. Where, where, where's the NOLA It's on the West Bank oh, in okay. Avondale. It's a 750-acre campus. Oh, wow. Beautiful with a go-karting. You've been there. Yep. Yeah. A go-karting track as well as a professional race car track. And we have two stages, 30 artists. Our headliners are Hunter Hayes and Justin Moore. Country music influence, obviously. Okay. We have um, underrepresented in New Orleans. <laughs> yes, yes. So we we def we have about eight Louisiana-based bands there. Hunter Hayes is a is a Louisiana boy, so he's closing out the main stage on Saturday night. So country music was part of the inspiration for me creating Country Smooth, which is my four. I have three real children, and this is my fourth. <laughs> So hey. Hang on a minute. So this is just... She looks just like you. Just to go back to the music festival for a minute. This is a music festival that's centered on country music, yes. whiskey, and go-kart racing. Yes. <laughs> Not in that order. So, but, <laughs> so w which order is it in? Well, go-karting will be obviously zero alcohol. Oh, so. that ruins the whole... <laughs> we have to get our order straight. I was picturing on getting totally loaded up on this country smooth whiskey. <laughs> Doing a little getting, test drive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah is, there a, is there a breathalyzer or anything? There is. So there oh, are breathalyzers shit, really? both... <laughs> are, you, are you serious? Before so you get have races? You have to just do your go-karting first, and oh. then you can... Yeah. It's, we're open 12 hours both days, okay. so clearly there's enough time to do it all. So we have a family fun zone, which, which is equipped with pumpkin decorating, um, hay maze... Toys for Tots will be there. Do, do you live here in New Orleans? I don't. I live in Southern California, but I find every excuse to get here. <laughs> so yeah. what made you launch this music festival? And is it going, is it touring around the country? This or is our first, this is, is our first festival. Mm -hmm. So why would you have chosen here to do it as opposed to either Texas, Na Nashville or, or Texas yes. or, so or San Diego? I, this is our first state of distribution about a year and a half ago for Country Smooth Whiskey. And now we're in six states. In the centered in the southeast, and I love New Orleans. I love the people. I love the food. I love the drink. I love the energy here, and I know y'all are a festival town, which is fantastic. And there isn't a glutton of country music festivals. We have the Bayou Super Country Fest, which is has been fantastic and very successful. Besides that, there has not appeared to have been one New Orleans-based country music festivals. Yeah. And since country music is my passion, and I, I believe there is an opportunity, we found, and, and okay. this brand is an Americana lifestyle brand, so the track was the best partner that I could find. To so this is also something that most New Orleanians don't know a lot about, is this NOLA Motorsports track on the West Bank, which yeah, has been there for, I don't know, like six or seven years maybe. Yeah, I didn't know about it. And I don't think a lot of New Orleanians yeah. go over there, but you can race cars and go-karts around. Yeah, you, can get in a real, yeah. you can get in a real race car. You know? Yeah, I would oh. say that you probably can draw from a lot of the neighboring towns like the West Bank and yeah West Bank not just say beyond that too right. you know Violet and then further down all around right yeah even from uh, Hammond and all those towns like the north of New Orleans the very you know big country, country. is big there absolutely you know? well, so and it's only 20 minute drive from downtown yeah. New Orleans it's yeah. over the bridge it's not too far I mean right. I know that people drive from the North Shore down to New Orleans which is over the Causeway Bridge what 30 minutes and so it's it's 20 minutes from downtown New Orleans to the West Bank. And it's I'm a proud shot. I'm proud to show off this for people who have not been to the Motorsports Park. I'm proud to show people how fantastic it is. The buildings, the the infrastructure, the the everything about it is top notch. Yeah. And I'm proud to right. to have our track. first festival there. And are you freaking out now? Absolutely. Yeah. How do you how do you manage This helps. To, yeah. <laughs> do you have like a, a person here that manages the whole thing i mean right so we have i have a whole production crew mm -hmm. um and the track the track team has been the they've been the best partners yeah. imaginable um and i've been doing a lot of marketing pr we're marketing on abc and cw commercials and you're on happy hour so that's another three people yeah. at least i love it find out about and in iheart stations we have 11 country music radio stations in in three states we're marketing and 
Facebook. Okay. You, you, Did anyone that. tell you about how it works here in New Orleans that nobody buys a ticket to anything? <laughs> Just to reassure you. No one buys or they buy the day no, off? Yeah, they buy the day off. Oh. No, nobody plans anything. I feel like so I've aged no five years and two right. weeks because yeah. of that very reason. Right. You yeah, think yeah. no one's going to come. Well, a lot of people here do this through uh, sponsorships. The, the, so it's free entry and yes. entrance. Yes. We have tons of festivals that are free entrance. Of course, Jazz right. Fest is not, and there's a few that are not. And Super Bayou Country Fest is not either. Yeah. You know? How much Be- does this cost to get into the... So, well, fest. right now, so general mission, which gives one day is 60, but we have a 20% off right now, currently on the website. Well, who could figure that out? I don't know. How much? For, that's, that's $48. 48 bucks, okay. I'm a math girl, too. Right. <laughs> you have a business background. I do. So, that's, you started off in business. I did. You went to business school. I did. And got a degree in business. Accounting, business. Well, what happened to you after then? How did you, <laughs> how did you get off the rails into making I just wised up. Just kidding. So, so my dad has was a very successful CFO. Went to USC in business, finance, and accounting, and I took after him. So I have a business degree with an emphasis in accounting, and I did. He give you a whole lot of money. Um, it was it was, you know, I'm not yes saying he gave no. me a whole lot of money, but he definitely gave me a lifelong's worth of of lessons. But and did hard you inherit work. tons of cash or something that you could <laughs> finance this whole thing with? No, no. My parents okay. are still alive. Okay. And their but parents. But nonetheless, did he give you tons of money to start this off with? Is he like no. super wealthy? No. 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 So you've done this all by yourself? Yes. Holy crap! Okay. Yeah. Blood, sweat, right. and tears. And passion, a lot of passion. Right. So I worked for a CPA firm for almost five years, and I learned a ton about how businesses are run, how they are poorly managed, well-managed, fraud, risk, you name it. And I had my first of three children, and I, I began outsourcing business development and financial accounting skills and services for about nine years. And then I said I wanted to start, I wanted to start my own business, in which I have passion for. Did you, are you still married? Yes. What did your husband do? What does your husband He's in education. Is he? Still is. Wow. So he's nothing to do with this whole nothing. thing. Nothing. And that's great. <laughs> yeah. Which people who work together or are married know. I mean, some people do very well together, but we're both Wife A-type personalities. And so it doesn't work well because I'm the boss. And when you come in and you try to be a boss for a day, uh-huh. it's not a fantastic outcome. Okay. But yeah. he's incredibly smart. Right. <laughs> so you, so you've. You have the, you're a business person. Yes. And you love country music, as just a lot of people do, And college obviously. football. And college football, okay. Yeah. So how did you go from that to thinking, I'm going to create a right. brand new type of whiskey? Right. And I had no liquor experience, which is probably a great thing, because it's a right. very tough so, industry. I would think. Um, well, truly, I, I've always enjoyed drinking Chardonnay, always, okay. and going to these country concerts or tailgating events or people's homes, I would prefer a, a certain type of Chardonnay or a certain type California. of wine. Kendall Jackson. California. Yeah, I would say like the <laughs> crema or a Rombauer or of such. And, you know, I, I, people around me have been drinking bourbon and whiskey nearly my entire life. My dad's a big scotch drinker. And being that I've, I've, I heard about whiskey over and over and the music I listened to and it's part of the lifestyle I had, I wanted to be able to enjoy it and not just drink it because it's it's what's readily available. I also wanted to make so, so smooth enough for my palate and also affordable. Jack you know, Daniels didn't do it for you or Maker's Mark? They're all fantastic, but for my palate, right. it just had too much of a burn. Okay, let's take another sip of this. Yeah, this is really no, good. In my opinion, <laughs> actually, uh, I like Ashley, it. I'm not a huge it. whiskey drinker. I'm more like a scotch right. um, Eric, did you get one? drinker. But uh, this one, one thing that I have, and I mean, there's great uh, American um, Bourbon whiskeys, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. I, I love a lot of them. Yeah. But uh, a lot, what I see, there's a lot of them are uh, exaggerated in terms of the uh, caramel and the smokiness Absolutely. and all the, and it's a lot of them like artificial flavoring. Some of them are a natural flavoring, but it's all like, like really overbearing. And this one, I don't think it is. I think it's pretty clean. And that was like the, a, that was the goal. So so you could when do I a commercial for this Jose, I, I love it. <laughs> yeah. um, in, in Angola, we can put you in Angola. Hey, hey, can you? What do you speak? There's a lot of is money in Angola. What, what do you speak? Is it Portuguese? <laughs> what, they, well, Angola, what language? Well, what language is Angola French? has like 16 different uh, dialects. dialects. But when we get back the to Western language, the unifying language is what? the colonial language. So Portuguese. which one? Portuguese? So what yeah. do you? What's your first language? My first language is Portuguese. But so I'll, can you I'll do I'll like a? Com- I was only two years old when I left oh, Angola. Okay. I grew up in Portugal. My family is Portuguese. So you speak Portuguese. And uh, genetically, I'm like uh, 87 uh, percent. No, I'm 97 percent European. 
I just did my DNA. My actually, my daughter Isn't actually sent me the kit. To so you to have the, the kit the whole year. Yeah. yeah. And what are you then? Uh, well, I'm 87% Portuguese. Right. Uh, no, I'm 70% Portuguese, 17% Spanish from Spain. Wow. I get then that. Then I'm 5% French, 5% French, 4% Irish, and then I have 3% African, which the Portuguese <laughs> and the Italians, all Southern Europeans have. But I thought I would have more uh, Northern African because the Morocco and the mm -hmm. Moors that invaded the Iberian Peninsula in the uh, 700s, you know, and... Uh, so are you an American citizen? Uh, actually, I'm a, a legal... Um, You're illegal. No, I'm a legal, legal resident alien. Okay, why aren't you a citizen? Why don't you become a well, citizen? Because you can qualify uh, for all kinds of I don't know. I am going to become now. I'm, right? uh, uh, I never really felt the. I never really felt the need to become a citizen, because even though my my daughter is American, my wife is American, my second wife is my first wife was American, my second wife is American. Um, <laughs> you could still get kicked so out. So I've been here before. No, yeah, that's true. But before, I never. Now with Trump, I feel like I should maybe. Apply for, oh, and I, I would advise you for it. Not as an I've been a, a resident since 1984, so I should. Uh, Any little thing now you could get. Yeah, that's true. Out. So, uh, yeah. plus, what I was thinking more to the point of, of it would be, if you're an American citizen with all these different nationalities, think of how many affirmative action things you could qualify for. I know housing loans <laughs> and think yeah, about how all those African that's and true. Portuguese. Uh, yeah. you that got, is true. You could, uh, you're crazy. I can I can check get any box it. I want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially in yeah. Obamacare. Anyway, I was going to say, could you do some sort of Portuguese commercial for Country Smooth Whiskey? Because I bet that would sound even better. Wait, in Portuguese? If you could say the With same thing. With his accent. With the tennis racket. And yeah. 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 That's what I was going to say. A bandana. My, yeah. Yeah. yeah, my feel. Uh, uh, what does it sound like? And say that in Portuguese. Just what you said about how awesome it tastes. Mixed chamois. What's the name of this? Country Smooth. Country Smooth. Oh. Yeah. You Whiskey do campo. Um, anyway, I, I have to, I've been here so many years that I have to. Uh, you think uh, yourself back is, into uh, uh, suave. Portanto, o campo suave, o whisky do campo suave, uma coisa que baixa pela garganta dentro com um prazer, uma coisa incrível. That sounds fantastic. That sounds nice, doesn't it? I'd like to try some more of it just based on that. Wow. That is it. So it's difficult for you to speak Portuguese now. You forgot. Uh, well, I, you have to I, go back. It's not difficult, but sometimes it's like. Drag it up. Uh, I've been here. I came here when I was 18, so right. I'm 59. So it's many years. Sure. But um, luckily, right after Katrina, I went back to Portugal. And uh, I ended up living there for six years. So that I was reacquainted with the culture and even with the language. Because one time I called my, my parents, and there was a maid there, and she. Uh, when my parents arrived, she said, uh, some foreign guy called. Because <laughs> oh, now insulting. I have an accent in my right, own language. Right, right. So I have an accent when I speak English. I have an accent when I speak Portuguese. Yeah. So I, You're like, a foreigner everywhere. I'm a foreigner everywhere. It's okay with me. I mean, I'll, I'll take that. Okay, so, Laurie, there you were. You, you've, you've got a couple of kids now. How many kids did you have three. when you came up? Three. How many three. when you came up with this idea? Of, three. You had, you had the three kids. Yes. Your husband's off at work, working. Yeah. And so you decided you wanted to... You wanted to drink whiskey, but you didn't like the whiskey that was available. So how do you actually go about creating? Right. right. How do you make whiskey? How did you do it? <clears throat> well, so my husband thought I was crazy when I told him what I wanted to do. And right. He's like, first of all, you know nothing about liquor. And number two, you're a woman. And I said, absolutely, even more the reason why to do it. Okay. Um, well, he was right on both of those points. You didn't know anything about the liquor industry and right you are on. a woman. Absolutely. Okay. So what happened so, next? So being that I consulted businesses and individuals on how to start businesses, grow their business, um, et cetera, I knew that there was a certain amount of research that any intelligent entrepreneur or business owner would have to do. Start drinking. <laughs> right. <laughs> At that time, lots of Chardonnay, right? right? Okay. Now it's lots of this. So I, began, I researched about 750 hours before I even pulled the trigger on doing anything and that's okay, the domestic so that market international okay. market where the suppliers are where the trends are yeah. and I knew that whiskey was starting to, to go in the right direction bourbon whiskey I know there was an opportunity I did not I could not find another female founder CEO and owner who who, li who literally started a whiskey bourbon company from nothing clearly right. I'm not a distiller and I don't claim to be so I knew that if I I also it was really important to me that all the components were made in America Glass cap. What are the components? Oh, you, how did you even Glass. know that? So that was your research. Yeah. The bottle, the cap, 
Everything is American made. What and, else goes and, into it? The label. So the label and well, obviously what about the bourbon. The but but in it? well, clearly that's going to be American. Okay. But the main um, components that could that are often from China or or Mexico and French has thicker glass and more expensive. Okay. Is the glass and the cap and sleeve. Okay. I would say 65% of all bourbon whiskey glass is from China or Mexico. Mm. It's cheaper. It's like 50 to 75% cheaper, right? Yeah. And being that my price point's $24.99 at a retail store, my margins would be a bit enhanced if I would have chosen to go overseas. Yeah. But for me, I didn't want to ever depart from that. Because okay. we're true, country smooth is made in America. And yeah. that was important for me. So I toured the country to, to talk to different whiskey and bourbon suppliers. You just to left see. the kids at home with your husband while yes. you traveled around drinking whiskey? No, he traveled with me. Okay. At the time, I, I finally convinced him I wasn't completely crazy. Um, but how did you convince him? Was it just sound a ton of, crazy? A, turn, a ton of research. But what did you see? And there he was also a gap knows in the market? Gap in the market. What was the gap? The gap was, first of all, uh, a very smooth tasting whiskey, 100% American made, female founded. Um, run and and did you do market research to find out that people would buy that? Yes. Well, it was just a hunch. You did. I did. Okay. So All you spent a ton of money already, even before you started making. So you're the face of your company, like in advertising. Yeah, and, and I, I did not want to be. I mean, in fact, I. But if you're going to claim that you know that you're a. And at uh, first, I I went towards some NFL players who are good friends of mine, who are awesome guys. And you know, guys in the NFL. Yeah. Friends. How come? Uh, just, just because I'm the business I'm in. California, okay. baby. California, <laughs> Southern California. <laughs> and then there were, we support some of the some fantastic rodeo um, people, but country music really is where my heart's at in terms mm. of musicians and musicians as a whole. So I researched. What kind of country music do you like? Well, I like new and old. I would. I love Karen Underwood I, as a female. I think she's dy- dynamic and fantastic. Do you I even mean, know who Luke she Bryan. is? No, I don't. I Luke Bryan. Like maybe three country music. Garth Brooks Merle is Hager. incredible. <laughs> yeah, Merle Haggard, Garth Brooks, all of them. So I did my research. I got out and started meeting suppliers around the country to make sure, number one. Suppliers mean what? Supply what? So b- bourbon whiskey suppliers. So right? what, are they, what are they supplying? So they actually distill distill and formulate for us yeah so a lot of a lot of new whiskey bourbon france okay so i'm confused already what's in bourbon how do you make it what's in it so bourbon and whiskey is it it could be a component of you can either be corn based which means you're over 51 percent corn rye based which is over 51 percent corn are pretty much it's you're basically a corn or rye based bourbon or whiskey Okay. In order to be considered a bourbon, you have to be, number one, over 51% corn. Um, two, you have to be aged in new oak barrels, aged at least six months to be considered a bourbon. It doesn't matter what state considered you're distilled by in. Whom? Is there some sort of federal yes, standard? Yes, there are definitely federal standards and classifications, okay. all that. The, all right. Yeah, the, even the, the bourbon uh, own self-regulatory. Oh, absolutely. No? Yeah. And, and, and even the labeling requirements on this bottle are so intense that okay. they don't want any of the suppliers like myself to yeah. misinform consumers is by saying it can't be handcrafted. What was hey. that? Is your bourbon bottled and bond? Yes. It's What's good a question. Quick, what was Ash's question? It's bottled and bond. Yes. Bottled what? Bottled and bond? Yes. Bottled and bond. That what? means according to the... Actually, you know specific. something about. Yeah. So, so legally, <laughs> legally, in, in in order for us to print on this bottle, what you're seeing here, which is the name, which is the proof, which is yeah, where yeah. it's distilled, and call it a whiskey of a bourbon whiskey. Okay. We had to have it approved along with the contents of what's in this bottle by the federal government. Mm-hmm. It's a labeling cola, they call it. So that had to be approved. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, for example, we couldn't put handcrafted, which we didn't try yeah, because yeah. we knew what had happened with other brands in the past for in terms of being misleading to the but consumers. But I do agree with this regulation. Otherwise, anybody can call anything whiskey yeah. or anything. Right. Whiskey organic or, or gluten-free. Yeah. <laughs> gluten-free. Or okay. yes. you know, okay, just, just go through one detail. Though. So how did you come up with this formula? The right. stuff. Did you start off drinking Everclear and then add stuff to it? No, no. So, <laughs> so we went through the vetting process of suppliers. So my my criteria was number one, it it had to taste country smooth to me, and, and it was How important. How do you do it? Did you 
you, are we, you doing this? Do you have a distill? You have a guy that you're paying to. So we have a supplier. You? So like most, okay. most, and I'll be honest. Unless you're from Jim Beam, although they own their own and they purchase brands, most up new brands and even like a High West or certain brands they source out. They source out. Uh, so see. what they do is they meet with a distiller supplier and they say, "This is what we're looking to do," and this is what we're looking for. So the supplier will then work with someone like myself and say, okay, if you're interested in having a smooth tasting whiskey and you want it to be not a, of a $70 retail price point, let's start with this, you know? So that's kind of how you start. And you, you start with certain suppliers that are scalable, meaning okay. I could sell 500 cases this year because I'm developing a brand, so to speak. Yeah. But next year with certain funding and whatever I want to do, 25,000 cases. Yeah. Can you, are you scalable yeah. so that Could we can you do, do that? that? If this takes off, do you see you what I'm saying? It? Okay, fair. Yeah. So yeah, that if was. If you want to grow, you can't uh, bet on a supplier that can only no. supply 500 barrels. No. Like, so not in their backyard, right? So where is this made? What part of the So country? it's made in Indiana. Okay. And, in, you know, it's, it's aged less than two years. So we're technically an American bourbon whiskey. Now, to be a Kentucky bourbon, people always ask me that. Um, you have to be distilled in Kentucky. But to be a bourbon, you can be distilled in any okay. state in the country. So how did yeah. you pick this dude in Indiana to make it? Well, they're a very large house. They're, they make other stuff as well. They, they do. And they're, okay. they're very respected. Um, we're, also, we're bottled, though, in Nashville, Tennessee, which is the home of country music. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, Does anybody in country music care about this? Have you got anybody behind you? Yes. Like? Well, I mean, I, I was able to convince... 30 musicians to be part of this first well, annual country you're smooth fest. Them though, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, but still, well, I mean, so this is a double edge your festival because you, you're, you're promoting a festival and you're promoting your own brand. Yes. Yeah. How yes. do you do that? Are you doing this by, I mean, who's, who booked all these bands? You didn't do all that, surely. So, people this doing? first festival, I had a vision of who I wanted to be on board. And we obviously have a certain budget. So, I was able to work with the booking agents myself to make sure we had the right fit. Um, I definitely have a production team, and um, being you're like a powerhouse business person. <laughs> I don't know if I'm a powerhouse. Trust me, there are days where I think in training. <laughs> there are days I think that things are going fantastic, and, then, and just like in life, let's be real, there are days you're like, "Why in the hell yeah. did I just start that?" But in the end, <laughs> in the end, I think it's it's going definitely going the right direction, and right. I I have a fantastic team who supports me and. I can call when things are crazy amazing, and I can call when it's like the shit just hit you, the fan. Do you Help me. Do you, are you a tough person? Do you lose it on people and yell and scream? Or? Um, I wouldn't say I'm a tough person. Uh, I, think, to I think <laughs> in, in, in general, in general, I have surrounded myself personally and professionally with pretty awesome people. That being said, we all make mistakes. We all sometimes miss things or shit happens, right? Yeah, flow so, tribe. That be that. <laughs> I don't know if I consider them friends, right? In the end, probably not so much. But my point is, I've my circle of people around me are so amazing that I, I don't really see the need to go off on them. It's because we all right. ha, we all have bad days, and I try to keep it together. This is an incredibly stressful operation, I would think. <laughs> yes. do not you think? Seems like she's got it all together to me. You don't seem to be sweating it at all. Yeah. Uh, Yes, and, and there are some days more than others that right. you... So who's looking after the kids all this time? How old are they now? My oldest is 12. I have two girls, 12 and 10, and my youngest is 7 and a half. Wow. That requires a lot of attention right there yes. all by itself. Right. And when I'm home, I mean, I'm, I'm gone about, I would say, every other week. And right. when, I'm, when I'm gone, between my mom and my husband and my sister, and they're all in school, they get home around three, but the activities and homework and right. all that are pretty intense. Y'all, yeah. y'all will figure. Out. Do you have children? Uh, my daughter is thirty-two years old. Okay. But, uh, I, she was that a kid. Remember. A child, yeah. Yeah. You she remember? Was a kid. I remember that. Yeah. Um, but we have. I was not gone this much when I was raising them, which is important. Right. They're really good kids. Yeah. They're smart. They're sweet. And where They're do they kind. live? In California. Somewhere. Orange County. Orange County, California. Okay. Yeah. So you know, it's. Do they like to drink? Are they, are they allowed to try it? No. Nope. Not a bit. Nope. But I, I try to teach them moderation in life in general, right? right? So when they're the drinking age, it's going to be moderate. It's okay. just like you, you rotate friends, you just everything, well, sports, in Europe, school. We, uh, in Southern Europe, like Portugal, uh, Spain, Italy, you know, there's, 
normally people start introducing the kids to drinking early. Not well, in my New family. Orleans, too, my family by the was way. not like that, but a lot of families were. A lot of families, uh, just people, kids just sip wine and or do on all. their birthday. Yeah, yeah. And no, but there's it's, not. It's, uh, drinking, drinking is a normal thing, especially wine, because it's a cultural thing. So it's not like when and there's you not a lot of get abuse. to 18, they have to start binge drinking and uh, pouring uh, and injecting uh, uh, whatever. Al- straight yeah, alcohol anything. in their veins, <laughs> yeah. you know? So it's more And there's like less a, abuse in later abuse, ages. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I would agree with that, to yeah. be honest. I remember my mom always. You know, sitting behind the bar, and she'd pour herself a drink and be like, "This tastes watered down." And any of you, like, you know, because you, you drink some of the alcohol and pour a little bit of water in there to make it look like you didn't take any of it. But. Plus, it changes. <laughs> you did when, that. So, yeah. It case. does. It does. But, but I will say, on a serious note, um, whiskey bourbon changes with an ice cube or even a drop or two of water. Does it ruin it? No, it just it it opens. Uh, it just has a different taste. It's interesting right. how. How do you Unless like the yours? cubic so we're ice cubes full of chlorine, then it will change. Oh, well, there is the New Orleans water <laughs> problem. Um, I prefer with one ice cube or two. Okay. But I actually, I mean, this is my second yeah. shot, and I need it more today than normal, to be honest. Um, and so I'll, I can drink it neat easily. You having and that, a bad day today? I'm having a fine day, but you know, some days are more stressful than others, right? Must be getting pretty because we're getting out of down town. to the wire yeah. now. Yeah. Yes. And the show starts on Friday, and today's uh, Wednesday. The show starts Saturday. Saturday, yeah. Saturday, not Friday. <laughs> so it's 20th. this Saturday, the 20th. Yes, absolutely. Wow. And who's opening the show? Who's the first band up? So we, the, the first stage opens, and I believe it's Moonsfield Collective, one of the b- bands from Southern California. And we have a total of, on the, se- on the second stage, which is the Hudat stage, presented by Bud Light. So I'm excited. We have Tito's Vodka as a big sponsor, Bud Light. Okay, so you've got um, other... Zaps. Visit Jefferson Parish. Um, so they're all selling the drinks out there, too. And they're sponsoring. They're partnering us. So this us. is a big deal. Okay. Yeah, no, we're, I'm but very excited. you can excited. actually go out there and have a drink and then ride around the go-kart if you wanted to. You can't. As long as you don't... You can't. Mechanic Bowl? Do they have any Mechanic Bowl? No, we have Dance Floor. <laughs> have a dance Floor. Dance Floor. We have... Be as drunk as you want to have, Dance Floor. We have a yeah. VIP <laughs> building, which is pretty large, with, um, with, sports, with the t- sports going on, because we all know... We're at LSU here in New Orleans. That's an LSU game this week. And the Saints are oh, Saints are away, but LSU is home versus Mississippi State. I see. You thought of everything. Wow. So where are you staying? Where, where do you stay when you come to New Orleans? So I normally stay down by the river because I love I love water and trees. Being from Southern California. Down by the river. But I've like I've never heard anyone river say that. What does that mean? Outside of New Orleans. <laughs> I'm not on like the in the Westin or oh. the Hilton. Oh, okay. In a hotel. Okay. Oh, I thought. But you I will say, last night I stayed at the Liza Jane, which was pretty fantastic. It's. I took a. I'm like I want to try try something new. Little Eliza Jane. Eliza Jane, and it was it's a, a building in the 18 built in the 1800s, and I found found it fascinating because it was the old times Picayune building in the 1880s, and Eliza Jane was a publisher, and she was the oh. first female publisher in the U.S. Is that, is that right? Is that, is that where the magazine song comes street? from? Little Eliza yes. Jane. Yeah, it's a magazine. Yeah. And they, it's a newly right. renovated hotel. Yeah. It's and would been, you recommend it? I just post on my Instagram. Okay. This is like yeah. one of my well, newest let's, favorites. Let's come over. Yeah, New Orleans is full of those stuff. Right. You've been to Catahoula. Have you Y'all seen are Catahoula? Well, no. What's oh, that? It's, like? a new, it's a little boutique hotel, like uh, off, right off of uh, St. Charles, but like by Poitras. Okay. It's really, um, it's really beautiful. But but can I say one quick you thing? You can say one My quick favorite thing. hotel in this city by far is the Hotel Montsion. Montlion? Oh, Without yeah. with the so I hung out with of, Greg Allman in the Montlion. Did you really? <laughs> yeah. Of the old of, <laughs> of the old guard. And the, and the it is fantastic. Carousel bar. We have a signature drink at the Carousel Bar oh, called the Country Fall. It's on their whiskey favorites oh. menu. So I that's my home. Well, I go there at least once or twice okay. a week, and I stay oh there often. God. Well, Blake is on his fourth or fifth shot. <laughs> Good. Country smooth. He, Blake, he's tough. Blake's got a guitar. What are you playing here? With my guitar. Yeah, this what do you, what this do you is think? This an Alvarez that uh, someone from my work gave oh. to me. And okay. <laughs> now, what I meant really was what song are you thinking about? Uh, I'll sing a song off the new album called Do Your Thing. Do Your Thing. Yeah. And the album is called? Begin Again. Begin Again. The Quickening. Begin Again. Okay. Well, because actually, because uh, when we first started the band, there was a few other players on the album, uh, our first album, but then when we did the next one, it was more of the solidified band, so that's why I called it Begin Again. It's more of ah. the sound we're looking for. But okay. It goes a little something like this.
on to me just like the night I didn't notice but the star lit it up so bright somehow feeling you feeling me felt all right so I gave in jumped right in swam in your sea all night above me just like a wave and I'm a floating out of oak control to you babe swallow me so I can see if you can ride me for days and if you do I hope you still crash right on top of me baby Something I learned in a gas station <laughs> on my way out. Why you wiggle, baby? Why you wobble, baby? Why you wiggle, why you wobble, baby? Why you wiggle, why you wobble when you walk that way? Why you wiggle, why you wobble when you walk that way? Why you wiggle, baby? Why you wobble, baby? Why you wiggle? Why you wobble, baby? Why you wiggle? Why you wobble when you walk that way? Why you wiggle? Why you wobble when you walk that way? up to you just like a sun ray cause if you smile you take my sight away and if you're Charlie walking when you're gonna come my way I know it's cool what you do although I can't say cause what we got you know it don't need no name just as long as I know you're gonna do your thing do your thing your thing Yes indeed yeah, yes. <laughs> Play quick from the quickening do your thing Ooh. off the album yeah. Begin again. Begin again. Now available on Spotify, YouTube, and anywhere uh, YouTube, else you can steal yeah, music. Apple's, Apple iMusic, all that good stuff. Okay. CD baby. So you can steal it anywhere, basically. Yeah, it's all right. anywhere. All right. That's nice, indeed. Very nice. Hey, listen, Jose, we managed to get through almost this whole conversation without mentioning the fact that you're a photographer. Oh, yeah. Which is interesting <laughs> in itself, <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, you've got a lot of amazing... And you have a gallery on Royal Street. Yes, we do. It's a small, at, funky gallery. At 818 like Royal Street. The, uh, the French Quarter, the old French Quarter. Right. So where is it on Royal Street? Uh, 818 Royal Street is between Domain and St. Anne. Uh, it's actually a, a, one of the newer houses in New Orleans. So it has a front yard oh. and is upstairs. So you have to go up a few stairs. It's on not the, your house, though, is yeah, it? Yeah, on, uh, on one side there's uh, Bambi... Deville, the Bakelite lady, she has an amazing vintage clothing store. I've been there before, yeah. Yeah, she's a great stuff. And then uh, behind us, there's uh, Michael Fedor with paintings and uh, drawings and uh, um, uh, antiques and collectibles with Lloyd Angeron. And me uh, uh, and my wife, uh, Cecilia, uh, we're contemporary photography and uh, we have a lot of New Orleans stuff, but we have stuff around the world right. um, at the gallery, yeah. So it says here that um, that before you did that, that before you became a photographer, this is the information that mm -hmm. Graham DePonte, our producer, gave me about you. It said that 
that you were a stockbroker. Yeah, which is well, wacky <laughs> enough, and that's not even the craziest. Oh. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, um, I I graduated in economics, and uh, I went to work with my first wife's father, uh, selling furniture door to door in the North Shore in New Orleans. That was what I was going to ask. Outside you. of New Orleans, selling furniture door to door, door to door what on the, credit. So what does what does that look like? Well, you, you uh, back in the day, I started in 1984. I, I did it until 2003, with the exception of the years that I was a professional photographer and I was a stockbroker. So, so I would always go back because I could make really good money. I knew how to do that. I was really good at it. Door-to-door -door furniture salesman. Has anyone ever come to your door and knocked on the door and said, I'm selling furniture? Well, no. just let you know that yes all no? of the... No, Laurie, and you live in Orange County after all. Yeah. Blake? Just let you know that. Uh, yes. Sorry, go ahead. I usually no. get Jehovah's Witnesses, but no. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, all of the great, the, the big furniture stores in New Orleans, like uh, Her with Cements, Mints yeah. and Mints, and uh, whatever those uh, stores are or were, uh, they all started door to door. Uh, like her well, I know there is a Jewish company called from Russia. There is a company called Door Furniture, but that's a different. Yeah, Door Furniture is just their not name. Door to Door Furniture. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they did start. I don't think. I don't know. I don't. Maybe they did start. Maybe what the do you mean Door to Door? It's just a cold call. You knock on the door. Everything was Door to Door back so, back in the days, like in the thirties, twenties, thirties. Everything yeah. was Door to Door. Really? And uh, us, we were like also selling on credit, so people would buy from us, and we would uh, collect the payments, and we actually go to the house and collect the payments. So. Um, this kind of, uh, it was mostly in the North Shore and mostly black people and black neighborhoods. And, but you do develop like a relationship and it's like a, a familial thing where so cool. the mother, the daughter, you know, all of a sudden the daughter that was five years old, now she's 18 and she's buying from you. And, it was, <laughs> and so it was a really interesting, um, interesting uh, thing that I did, unlikely for a foreign guy from Portugal to come here and sell. Great tennis furniture. player. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but at the same time, it was, uh, um, it was something that um, kind of taught me how to be able to approach people in a, like in, the, uh, well, you gotta get in the door to sell, right? So uh, I carry that, that, uh, that towards me in the photography that I do, which is uh, mostly like street photography or documentary yeah, photography. Yeah, it's, it's interesting talking to you because you seem such a positive, upbeat, nice person. Mm -hmm. And yet your photography is so grim. Uh, I wouldn't call it grim. I mean, I, I can see some people look brutal, at grim. Brutal. Brutal. What would you uh, call it? Well, life is brutal, in, but I, I, I think I, I, like in terms of the Katrina and all the stuff, like for me is, uh, is inspiring those images because my, look at me and my wife you know we went through it we were here right. we went to Portugal my wife went to Rome then she went to New York I were from the best schools in New York and then I came back here we bought a house we started a business I have a huge body of work that I did but even the stuff that you shot in Cuba and the stuff that you shot here in New Orleans yeah. on the street it's all really like close up sort of it's close up with yeah. It's close it's up with the street and close up with it's like people with, a lot of suffering. It seems. Well, I mean, suffering in from the perspective of somebody of people like us that have a little more, uh, but from the people, I mean, there's suffering, but there's also that that side of uh, of pride and the side of, of of people that are making it, and side of community, and so to me is inspiring. Uh, to be with, with in, the, in, in the middle of these people and to capture that side to me. So it's not just like miserabilism, which I hate. Miserabilism, which, what a great Yeah, word. which is, which is like, I don't word. like that just because it's just like showing people when they're down. One thing is showing people when they're down and just like, or uh, even uh, generationally down. Well, another thing is to show people that uh, even though they are not rich, even though they're not middle class, even though they are struggling every day, they still have their the rituals and their joy yeah. and their and their fighting and so that's what's important to me and that's where I think I try to portray my photography not consciously but just in general when yeah. I come across a different culture where there's a, a black culture in New Orleans where's Cubans where's my own culture in Portugal where I travel and uh, which Portugal even though it's Europe is a poor country um, um, you know I see that and I see that struggle and that that to me is like inspiring it's like mm -hmm. if you can it's real so. yeah so like on that note we are going to have to get out of here actually okay but i'm i'm glad we finally got to actually mention the fact <laughs> that okay. you're a successful and very talented photographer thank you appreciate not, it. not just a tennis player not just a good, not tennis, just not player. Just a good looking <laughs> tennis player daughter door salesman from portugal another With just fantastic another. accent yeah thank you hey listen let me just tell you one thing before we go thank you to basics swimming gym we can get a fashion swimsuits and yoga clothes and uh 
lingerie at Basics Underneath. Thank you to the Hangover Destroyer, the only all-natural product medically proven to prevent a hangover. You can find it at hdestroyer.com and the Positive Vibrations Foundation, who create and encourage community through the development and preservation of arts, music, culture, and heritage. Thanks to all those people for helping make the show possible today. And, and thank you guys and Laura. You. Before we get out of here, we have to just make sure everyone understands this. It's the Country Smooth Fest. Festival Fest. Fest. It's this weekend. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Saturday, Saturday and Sunday. Sunday. Two days. Saturday Doors and open at 10.30 and it's family friendly. And it's 20% and off, so it's right 40-something. Right now, dollars. if you buy your tickets online, they're 20% off with a, with a coupon that you get when you go to the website. But okay. that won't be the case on Saturday and Sunday. Okay. And I cannot believe I got through the whole show without mentioning your eyelashes once. <laughs> Thank you. Which I've been staring at the whole time. How do you get those on? Are they like, they're not real, are they? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they're real. They're, they're, they're there when I woke they're up. Hip, they're hypnotizing. <laughs> everything that exists is real. So that is real. Yeah, it's well, real. It's real. Just about everything else is real. Okay. <laughs> just about everything else is real. No, Laurie Cassis, thank you so much. The founder thank and CEO you. of Country Smooth Whiskey. So we can buy Country Smooth Whiskey here at in New Rouse's, at Rouse's. At almost r- all the Rouse's, uh, Quista Pace in the North, speaking of the North Shore. Yeah, Quista Pace. Dornax, Sayas, the Carousel Bar at the Hotel Monsignor yeah. asked for the, the Country Fall, which is our signature drink on the whiskey favorites portion of the menu. And tonight and we'll come more. down to the, the Liza Jane Hotel and hang out with you down there. I'll be working until about midnight, but... Okay, so we'll be there when you get up. All right, twelve thirty. <laughs> All right, and Jose Fernandez, thank you very much. We can find you. you at eight eighteen Royal Street. Royal Street, yes. And what's the gallery called? It's called. Ro- uh, it's called eight eighteen. Eight eighteen. Uh, contemporary Photography right. Gallery. And Blake Quick from the Quickening has been here as well. Thank yes, you so indeed. much. And we can find your new record called Begin Again on Spotify and all the other various places you can. Congratulations. Thank you so much, Graham. Keep going. It's great to meet all of you. Our show is produced today by Graham DePonte. Our music producers are Christian Unruh and Monique Pyle. Thomas Walsh is our technical director. And today's show is engineered by Eric Morrill. Our Facebook Live feed director is Asher Griffith, who put this whole thing on Facebook Live. If you didn't see it on Facebook Live, go to the It's New Orleans Facebook page and see what we all look like. Our fact checker and social media connector is Andrew Searock. Our theme music was written by and is currently being played by Mitch Foreman. If you'd like to be on our show and you can stay upright for about 60 minutes while drinking alcohol, drop us a line. Our address is on our website, itsneworleans.com. We can also check out many other hours of happy hour we've recorded previously, as well as some other shows you make around here, including Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti, live from Commander's Palace, Louisiana Eats with Poppy Tooker, and our award-winning podcast about death called Death the Podcast. You can also find other great Louisiana podcasts at itsacadiana.com and itsbatonrouge.la. You can keep up with us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and a bunch of other time-sucking social media as well. And all of it we're called It's New Orleans. You can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our It's New Orleans Facebook page. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos as well at lafleurphoto.com. If you listen to this on your favorite podcast app, thank you for subscribing to us. Take a moment, if you've got one, to rate and review us. That helps other people find us. Our show is recorded live today at Wayfair on Ferret Street in Uptown New Orleans. Happy hours of production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. For Andrew Duhon, he'll be back here either next week or the week after. Everyone else around the table here at Wayfair and back at our office at INO Broadcasting. Thanks for joining us. I'm Grant Morris. I'll see you back here next week for more happy hour. Cheers. Cheers.